1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we will begin reading with verse 4. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you in Christ Jesus, that in everything you were enriched in him, in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in you. I I think that means that he saw that they gave a real assent of faith to what they heard. So that you were lacking, were not lacking in any gift, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you to the end, blameless, in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his Son, Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, what I saw today was that here, even at the beginning of this uh, letter, Paul brings up the fact that these Corinthians were recognized as having been enriched in speech and knowledge, and I think faith, and uh, lacking, not lacking any gift. So he was bringing up things like uh, faith and the speech and knowledge and gifts right at the beginning of this letter. <clears throat> now that's significant when you turn over to chapter 13. Let's, let's do that. <clears throat> Even even though he commends them and recognizes these uh, gifts and their faith and their knowledge, he tells them this in chapter 13. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, And if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. So what he's saying is that even though you have these these gifts, you have faith, you have knowledge, if you don't have love with those things, it profits you nothing. I think that's incredible because he's saying they actually have these spiritual gifts. Sometimes we think, well, they were just kind of professing Christians and they thought they had all this knowledge and, and uh, gifts. They had it. They really did. He said it was from God. And yet he says, if you don't have love, it profits nothing. Now, the essence of what I'd like to say to you tonight can be presented in a simple equation. It wouldn't really qualify in a math class, but uh, to me, it helps. It is, I think, maybe you could say a little trite, but it's trite because what I'm going to say is so all-encompassing. Yet, nevertheless, it does make for an easy way to remember 
this very important teaching of the scriptures. So here's the equation. Well, I've got it written down, so I'll put it up. Life minus love equals zero. Pretty simple to remember, isn't it? It's pretty incredible that Paul would say that. But that's what he's saying. What Paul was telling these Corinthians, who viewed themselves as having gifts and knowledge and faith and even making sacrifices because of their religious convictions, and it was true, they were doing some of this, and it was from God. What he was telling them was that if love was not the spring from which these things flowed, they actually meant nothing to God. He's dealing with God's view of what we do, you see. And in God's eyes, if love isn't there, it's a zero. It's of no spiritual value as far as your own personal life. Now, I'm sharing some things tonight from a book. A lot of this came from a book called Leading with Love. It's by the same man that wrote the book that we read in the small groups, uh, Alexander Strzok. Um, Love or Die was was the name of that book, and he wrote one. It's really directed towards leaders in the church, but the principles in there goes for everybody, for all of us. So he said this. Imagine for a moment what the Corinthians must have thought when they heard Paul's words. They probably couldn't believe their ears. Paul's message was contrary to their entire way of thinking and behaving. They were deficient in love, and they didn't even realize it. Their pride of knowledge and miraculous gifts had deceived them. I mean, I think it was. It surely was a shocker to hear. I mean, we've read this so often. We've heard it so often. But when the Corinthians first heard that, uh, you probably had to pick them off the floor. I mean, this was incredible what Paul was saying. So... Uh, just a couple of thoughts here that kind of go along with this equation of mine. D.A. Carson said, he called this God's divine mathematics. He had a different equation. He said, 5 minus 1 equals 0. 5 minus 1 equals 0. Well, what's he talking about? He's talking about 1 Corinthians 13. In, in the part that we read there, he brings out tongues, prophecy, faith, giving up possessions, and giving up your life. Five seems like tremendous religious things. All right, so, so D.A. Carson says five minus one, the one is love, five minus one equals zero. Uh, another man, George Sweeting, the former president of Moody Bible Institute, put it this way. He said, gifts minus love equals zero. Gifts minus love equals zero. And again, uh, the, the amazing thing about this is that Paul starts out the letter recognizing that these gifts 
actually were from God. Now, how do you explain that? Can you actually have a spiritual gift and have no love? Well, I would say what Paul's answer to that would be is, if God's really done that for you, then it's going to manifest itself in this love. And they were not manifesting very much of that at this time. There's divisions and animosities and, and that type of thing going on in the church. What he would say, I think, is that if God's begun a good work in you, he's going to bring it to the finish. In other words, he's going to work that love in you. It's, he's not going to let you have these gifts and not have that love. It's going to come about. In fact, that's what he said in the part that we read there in chapter 1. It says, Who shall also confirm you to the end blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ? God is faithful. In other words, God's not going to just give you the gifts and not bring about this other part also. Well, uh, what I've done with this equation of mine is tried to broaden this, this teaching out and put it in actually the broadest context possible, your whole life. If your life was without love, it's going to be zero as far as uh, how God views it. Uh, Another person, I'm just bringing out different ways that got, people have dealt with this type of thing and put it kind of in a uh, mathematical context. doesn't matter how much you do. If love is lacking, it amounts to nothing. Now, Jerry Bridges says it's like multiplying zeros. Uh, let's say you do this certain religious thing without love. But you say, well, I'm going to do another religious thing with no love in it. Of course, you don't say that. But it doesn't have any real love in it. You just do this, this activity. And you do this, and you do this, and you do this, and you do this, and you do this. You keep on going. You do a thousand of those things. What's it all add up to? Zero. Zero. You've got to start, if you start with this, with the love of God, then all that stuff means something. Without that, it's just a bunch of zeros. Well, that was Jerry Bridges' illustration. It comes to nothing. But if you put love in front of these activities then immediately they have great value. So what's that really mean then? Well, I think it's important to realize we're not speaking about love simply as a sentiment or an emotion. Paul tells us what we should think about when we think about love. He, he, he says very clearly, what are we talking about here when we're talking, talking about love? Well, here's what we're talking about. Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not intake, take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures 
all things. That's what he's talking about. In other words, this thing we're talking about, love, has content and it has to do with our activity and our, the way we relate to other people. So, let's put it now in our everyday concrete situations so that we can't possibly miss it. I'll start with me. In fact, the examples I give, most of them could be applied to me because I failed in them at one time or another. But we'll just start with where I am right now, which is in the pulpit. Here I spent my day working away at a message. You might say it was some form of uh, sacrifice. Trying to come up with a message. And now I'm going to try to give it in a clear and persuasive manner, which I usually don't do. But I try. But with that, working on the message, up here trying to give it now, if I do not have love for the people I'm speaking to, it profits me nothing. Okay? What does that mean? That means if I don't have patience with you all and show kindness and stay away from jealousy and bragging and arrogance and acting unbecomingly, it means all this I've done to prepare this message and give it as best I can profits me how much? Nothing. That's what Paul says. Profits me personally nothing. You might get some profit from it, but as far as how God views it from my point of view, from me personally, it profits me nothing if the love wasn't there. Okay, so we'll move from the pulpit out into the seats. I about said pews. <laughs> Uh, here's a husband and a father who works hard to support his family, but he does not have love at home. He's impatient, unkind, jealous, boastful, and acts unbecomingly. His supposed service for his family is nullified by his unchristlike behavior towards his wife and children. He's, he made some sacrifices. He worked all day. But Paul says, if there's no love, if there's no love, if there's no real love there, and we're talking, what are we talking about? Patience, kindness, not being arrogant, not being jealous. If there's no, if, if, if there's no love there, then it profits that husband or father Nothing. Here's a wife who is outwardly submissive to her husband, but inwardly she seeks her own will and her own way and is manipulative and disrespectful at home. Her supposed submission, what's that profit her? Well, according to what Paul says here, nothing. Here's a mother struggling to raise her children. She wants to raise them right, give them, and she gives 
of her time and her talents to try to train them. But in all of this, the most important thing is for her to love those children. What's that mean? That means she's patient and she's kind. She's not jealous. Well, why would she be jealous? Well, she might be jealous of that other family's kids who are so, so easy to take care of. And mine aren't that way. And she's not arrogant. That might be just the other side. Look how good I'm doing with my kids. She's not like that. She does not act unbecomingly. She perseveres. Where, where do I get that? Well, Paul says, endures all things. Well, sometimes it'll seem like that. There are going to be a lot of difficulties and discouragements. Here's a single person. Maybe it's a, a newly converted single person who seems to be very zealous for spreading the gospel in his or her family or maybe out on campus somewhere. But there's a rudeness, there's an arrogance in their manner, a lack of proper respect towards their parents or others. Well, their zeal and their sacrifice profits them how much? Well, Paul says it profits them nothing if love is absent. Loving people, again, this is Alexander, Alexander Strzok, Loving people are considerate of how their behavior affects others, even in little things. Those who are possessed of God's love are sensitive to proper social relationships, public decency, social convention, politeness, tact, and proper conduct in dress, speech, and action. Well, sometimes we just kind of poo-poo some of those things. Oh, that's not important. You know, I'm presenting the gospel. I was amazed in the book, uh, Leading with Love, he actually has a quote from Hudson Taylor that I thought was quite amazing. You know, Hudson Taylor was the founder of the China Inland Mission, and he said this, In nothing do we fail more as a mission than in lack of tact and politeness. Hudson Taylor said that about the missionaries over there. They're failing in lack of tact and politeness. If we are thoughtless of basic standards of courtesy and decency and come across as rude or acting in an unbecoming manner, we just have to admit that that type of lovelessness could very well cancel out any outward sacrifice and zeal that we think we're making. So, it comes down to this. Being Christ-like more than anything else is to love as he loved. Being Christ-like has a lot of facets to it, but the main thing has to do with loving as he loved. We need to ask him to teach us to love the way he loved. Now, Obviously, he was the only one that loved perfectly. He's the only person that ever walked this earth that loved the way a person should love. 
The rest of us struggle all our lives to love as he loved and to figure out exactly how to love in difficult situations. But we desire it. If we're, if we're Christians, if we're truly converted, we don't just say, well, I'm just kind of unloving, you know, and that's the way it is. I mean, I'm just an impatient person. I guess maybe I just kind of grew up being unkind and arrogant and jealous and kind of bragging a lot, being rude. I mean, you just you don't do that as a Christian. And as long as we're in this life, we never get to the place where we say, I've got this thing figured out. Uh, there's always room for improvement in this area of love as long as we live. Well, the last thing then would be just how, you know, if there's room for improvement and we know we need to improve, how do we improve? I mean, is this a matter of just trying a little harder? Well, I think that has to do with seeking to grow in our knowledge and enjoyment of Christ and his love for us. I'm convinced that it has to come from there. Seeking to grow in our knowledge and enjoyment of Christ and his great love for us. We should never, if, if we feel ourselves ceasing to be amazed with God's love for us, you, you ought to just take that as a big red flag. Something's wrong. I, I, I'm not right with God. I, I got to seek God. If, if that f- freshness and joy and wonder at, the God, at God's love for us in Christ seems to be dissipating at all, that's, a, that's something to be. That's something to be concerned about because I'll guarantee you it'll affect how you love other people. Uh, the songwriter said, Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, and my all. We sing it, but that's, that is the reality of a person that has a sense of the love of God for them. We need to keep asking for more of a revelation of his love to us and for us, to know more of the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. We should be asking God often to overwhelm us with the love of Christ. So that we could say, like Paul said, The love of Christ controls us. The love of Christ controls us. He wasn't talking about his love for Christ. He was talking about Christ's love for him. Well, one last quote from Alexander Strzok. He said, The great truth we must come to again and again throughout life is this, not that we love God, but that he first loved us and demonstrated his love by sending his only begotten Son into the world to be a propitiation for our sins. This is what should thrill our hearts and motivate us to serve others. You never get 
anywhere into Romans 13 or 1 Corinthians 13. You'll never get into the, any of the reality of that apart from knowing the love of God for you personally, what he's done for you and this thing of our, the propitiation of our sins, dying on the cross for us. That's what should thrill our hearts and motivate us to serve others. So I'll, <clears throat> I'll stop there, but I'll stop by reading here in Ephesians chapter 3. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's the way Paul ended his prayer concerning this love of God being shed abroad in our hearts and uh, knowing more of that that surpasses knowledge. All right.